Before diving into today's episode, did you know that this podcast has a supporters club? By becoming a member, you not only gain access to exclusive content, but also play a crucial role in supporting your favorite podcast. See the link in the episode description to find out more. Now, let's get back to the episode. Hmm. To discuss werewolves on this episode, let's see. Hmm, nope. I got two extra movies to look into, so... Nope, not gonna be werewolves about this time tonight. I'm sure some of y'all are groaning over there, but needless to say, it actually will benefit you this time, because I managed to find a lot of slop from Tubi again. But before we get into it, though, welcome to the J360 Monster Fest here on... J360 Radio. Hey, J360 Legion, and welcome back to the J-Man Show for episode 123. And in case you didn't leave already because of the swerve I just thrown at you, we're going to be discussing a little bit more about some of the schlockiest things I've seen on the net lately. Well, then again, it's not technically the net. It is streaming, but at the same time, mm, no, 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 wait, 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 never mind, never mind. A little bit of confusion there. Uh, you're welcome if you were looking forward to that. Uh, speaking of which, right now I'm just sitting back and enjoying some Twilight Zone episodes. I finally sat through the one where Billy Moomy was the kid that could control all sorts of life around him and change people into different things, especially when you don't behave yourself. I think it was called It's a Good Life. They made a sequel to it when he um, was a lot older and he had a daughter who could do similar things like that. You know, it was a very interesting episode of the Twilight Zone. But the problem I had with it is, is that, you know, none of the adults actually took the time to... Well, one of them did. But none of the other adults came together to try to say, you know, Billy, uh, we don't really like being bullied around anymore. We're, we're not going to go ahead and stand by this. We're, we're going to go ahead and we're going to revolt against you. Because guess what? Who's going to take care of you and feed you? Not you and them stupid powers, that's for sure. Then again, you know, I wonder how it would have went down if it was like that. But then again, this is the Twilight Zone we're talking about. And those parents were just scared to death. Because all they were doing was like, yeah, that's a very good thing you did, Billy. Very good thing. Yeah, it was a good thing. Of course, his name wasn't Billy, it was Anthony. But, <laughs> you know, it, it, it sounds even funnier when you said it. Yeah, 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 Billy. That was a very good thing you did. You're a creative boy, man. You're making it all happen. Even though that's grandma's inert splattered against the wall. I mean, after all, she didn't know what she was saying. She had Alzheimer's. You know what Alzheimer's is, don't you, Billy? 
Are you saying I don't know stuff, Dad? That's not a nice and good thing to say to me. But Billy, Billy, don't do it. Don't do it, Billy. And then all of a sudden, Dad is completely gone. It's not like he was there. It's not like he's anywhere. Oh, wait, look at that new painting we got there. And it said, made by Billy, because Billy has omni-perfect powers that scare the living hell out of everybody. And holding people against their will. But you see, nobody actually mans up enough to say anything. I think the only time that this story had a particular resolution was when Adrian Barbeau guest starred as like the teacher that lost her way in the uh, Twilight Zone movie, where you know each each and every single you know standout point of the series was in that movie in some shape or form, you know like Terror at Fifty Thousand Feet which was very well done in that movie by John Letgal. But you see, that wasn't a schlocky film. That film was bleak and dark and had a dangerous production history, especially when it ended the lives of Vic Morrow. And I think that movie completely haunts um, completely haunts John Landis to this day. Or it's either John Landis or Steven Spielberg, one of the two, but I, I think it's John Landis most likely. But what I'm saying is, is that that episode kind of got on my nerves because the kid didn't get his comeuppance. You know what I mean? It's it's just little things like that. But this is called Schlockovision tonight. And man, I don't know what it is about this time of the year, but a certain it's like the gift that keeps on giving from Tubi. Thank God for Tubi, Pluto TV, and all sorts of other small free streaming networks. You know what I'm saying? Because if it wasn't for them, man, you know, I wouldn't be able to enjoy such crap in my life. And I I mean in a good way. I'm not mad about it. Like, I like watching bad movies. Or what we perceive to be bad. I like watching a less than stellar vehicle. I like watching total train wrecks. Because at the same time, it gives me incentive of what not to do. And while I'm on the subject, I just laugh and I just keep on going. And today's particular movies are those massacre films. You know, a long time ago there used to be a movie called Slumber Party Massacre. And you see, like, it was envisioned to actually be a strong female-led horror film where they take down a escape... You know, these movies start off with, like, pretty much postages. No, nobody really is fleshed out. You know, there's a slumber party being held by a popular girl and all her friends. And there's a new girl involved. And you see, also, somebody else is going to the party, and he's not invited. Because at the same time, he is an insane asylum patient who somehow escaped. Because, after all, in these kind of movies, any sort of institution that is designed to keep the insane away from the normies is made of cardboard. So, this man escaped, and not only that, he has a penchant to, you know, drill into his victims. Which are mostly high school students. Particularly female. Because some of the girls didn't make it to the party. Matter of fact, there was one particular one that was um, being chased throughout the whole school, which is which is interesting. I mean, I don't know if you noticed, but you see, there are some people that stay in the school building quite a long time, right? And well, maybe because it was kind of the seventies going into the eighties, right? So they probably people were just like, you know what, we didn't have to worry about too much then. Maybe that's what it is, but you can't get away with stuff like that now. Things are on high alert, so it's it's amazing to see like this man is able to get into the school building like this. <laughs> I don't care what his drill set could be. Maybe he had a drill bit that he could uh, pick the locks with. Either way, it doesn't matter. 
he didn't have much of a background other than just being an escape victim. And then he saw the pretty girls. He managed to get the information through conventional means, especially after killing the one friend. But she was kind of, you know, you didn't really want to see her with her shirt off. I, I, never mind, never mind. If I say something like that, there's always somebody that's going to be offended in the back row. But then there are people who are already offended anyway because I have this show. So, moving on. You didn't want to see her uh, top off. And believe it or not, for those of you that are about that TNA, they said that there wasn't supposed to be a lot in this, but... There was plenty. Not like the later movies, because the later movies, they really just go all out of it. After all, you just sit there, you have your pizza, you just watch the stuff, and it's like, <laughs> oh, look, free TNA, a free show. And regarding of this first one, this one was legitimately interesting because this guy was really putting in the work. Like, he had his big drill, and he was just going after the girls. He was just killing them in all sorts of imaginary ways, and it was like, Damn, he even stuffed one in the refrigerator. So, if you ever hear of that trope, stuffing in the fridge, don't ever think of that Green Lantern comic. Think of this movie here, because that's probably where it originated from. But yeah, she was just sitting right there in the refrigerator, all guts out and everything. And when the new girl, who didn't want to go to the party for obvious reasons, she just didn't like, um, she felt ostracated by them. You know, because you got those people, when they move to a new neighborhood, they don't necessarily feel as though they belong yet so that's kind of her story and she also had her 15 year old uh little sister i was gonna say cousin but it was her little sister and you know that for some reason due to plot they um start hearing a lot of things that are going on they see like they see like the lights are out over at the house and sort of scenarios nearby and they're conveniently located there too so it's amazing like when you look at them peering over to where the main girl's um whole entire facility is it, it's all like wide open and stuff like you're looking at like in caddyshack where you see like one of the buildings is far away from the other buildings and it, it, it's like all that yardage but you guys are completely there you're, you're like right there next to each other but you know we'll just have to work with that that's location so they go over to the house the killer's just pretty much racking up bodies there's only like three no, two girls at this point, in addition to the two girls that came over there. So you have, like, four girls still there. Of course, that one fourth girl, when the guy cornered them, and he said this. He said, you're all so beautiful. I love you. Yeah, really, he said it like that. It, 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 it's just like, you can look in his eye, and it's like, yeah, he got the crazy in him. He gonna do what he got to do. This, this is This is his life's dream here. And you see, as he was, he went ahead and he fired that drill up. And then as soon as the one girl was running away, and Trish, Trish is the name of the main girl. Yeah, I finally remember it. And you see, as she was running over to Trish, they managed to get the drop on the guy, knocked him over and everything. Like, they could have kept the drill away from him, but they didn't. You know what I'm saying? I don't know about any of y'all, but if I'm ever in a situation where I'm dealing with somebody like that, and I manage to somehow knock the weapon out of their hand, they're not getting it back. You understand what I'm saying? I have to use the sword against them. You see what I'm saying? That's what you gotta do. Sometimes in horror movies, it happens. I remember like in um, Freddy's Dead, The Last Nightmare, you know, he lost his glove and his uh, daughter used the glove against him. 
it was very um, obtuse and kind of weird, even for that movie. So, but it still it still makes a definite point. You see what I'm saying? Like when you lose a certain weapon, I, it's fair game for me to use it against you. And they could have done the same thing in this particular film. But you gotta understand, these are very hysterical women. They're not dumb. That the dumb the dumb woman comes in the other movies that follow. But you see, like they managed to get out there. This guy was made of iron too, because. As soon as they got out there, he lost his he lost his hand, for one thing. Fell in the pool, come out of the pool, going after the women again, and then eventually he gets shot because uh, one of them had a gun. Eventually, and that took him down. I think it was the younger sister that fired the bullets that finally killed him. But still, though, the the hysterics behind it—you can hear the screaming. You know, I think it was Trish screaming, or was it? Yeah, it was Trish. And then the movie went off. So when little things like that happened, that that was actually a pretty decent film. Even though there were moments in there where it's like, yeah, right, really? But the later films, such as, uh, not Slumber Party Massacre, but Sorority Party Massacre, and, you know, Camping, uh, let's see, I think it was called Summer Camp Massacre, and, of course, the other one called... um, Cheerleader Massacre, there's a whole bunch of them now. It's like a whole sub-series of them. But the one in particular I want to talk about is called Microwave Massacre. Now this one was just, this this one was more or less like the black sheep of the bunch. And you can look at it because it really didn't deal with pretty girls entirely. It dealt with a henpeck husband and his wife pretty much wanted him to eat healthier. Remember that, right? Like say like if you're, there are some people that are legitimately in those marriages and it turns out that the guy is like in his mid to late 40s or going into his 50s. And he was told by his doctor that he's obese and he has to eat healthier. So the wife plans to help out in the most extreme ways possible. Because you got some people that do go extreme about this stuff. You know, like you have to immediately lose weight. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to shove salads and greens down your throat the whole first day. And that's going to help you get healthier. It does not work like that. You ease into these kind of things. You know, pro tip. But this this lady here, she she was on about using state-of-the-art equipment. And it had this huge microwave in there. And I mean, like, you look at it, you can tell it's pretty much like 80s. Like, when you look at that kind of stuff, like, remember, we had wood grain, we had all these giant equipment pieces, and they were supposed to be the future for us, even though, like, you look around now, everything is a lot more miniaturized, but still effective. Like, how I'm using the tablet tonight. But the thing is, when when you look at this kind of scenario here, the husband ain't having no part of it. He doesn't want to deal with anything. And he's also a construction worker. And he's working with two um, other construction workers who really fit the stereotype. You know the stereotype about construction workers are people who are involved in manual labor. Like every time they see something with a skirt and legs, oh, they all cat call, whistle, thinking they have a shot with that person, etc., etc. And that does happen. There's a lot of tea in there. There's a particular scene where a woman that's going about her business, she's got the lowest cut his top on. This is as soon as the movie comes on. And she's just walking her way. And then she manages to find something in the tube or like like a pipe somewhere. No, not a pipe somewhere. She manages to find something on the other side of the construction site that's shiny and glowing. And she looks down at it, sticking her head through the fence. 
and one of the <laughs> one of the other and one of the other hard hat wearers look at her right quick as a squire, and he goes ahead and he pushes her right over to where she's in the in the fence, and her boobs and everything are just popping right out, like. And it's like nothing to be shy about. Like you're sitting there looking at that. It's like, wow, no wonder this is the cost of admission right here. Do I feel ashamed of it? <laughs> Hell no. No, no, that was all right. You know what I mean? That right there, that was just free action. And there's nothing to be ashamed of about it. Look, she's got a good set. Okay, now if you look at it from the way the guy pushed her into the thing, you, you got to realize this. That's a jerk. And I, I don't think he had a comeuppance for it. So for those of you feminists out there, I'm sure you're probably pissed right now. And good on you. Keep in mind, though, wrinkles really come in after you uh, start raging out. So don't look to Botox to help you because it won't. But going back into it, though, you see... And and that really wasn't bearing to the plot. It's pretty much to show you that all these kind of women are out here. And there's plenty of women on this movie <laughs> that, you know, they just end up having sex and they end up doing a lot of other things. They're not germane to the plot other than the fact that, you know, I think his name was Harold, who the main character was, because it's usually a guy named Harold. He went ahead and he wasn't fitting in with his crew, but because and they really were making fun of him because of what his wife was making him eat there was a moment there where he took out a sandwich and there was like a whole crab in there like this large king crab that you know you take time to actually peel apart to eat it was in his sandwich so you know you look at that you're like yeah this is one of the movies that you just look at and you laugh at but it said masker so i was still interested and them tits had me glue in so i had to keep watching to see what happened all right so as i kept watching the movie you know, I realized that there's still a little bit of a buildup here. Because you can tell that my man Harry, he's not happy about his marriage. He's not happy about having to change up his appetite, even if his wife does care about him enough. You know? And then there's a point where you realize that his wife is just doing it for her for her own image. To make sure that, you know, she's ahead of the game. That she's a connoisseur. That she is pretty much changing up the dietary habits you know what i mean like she's really in control of things so one night they really got tired of it you know dealing with each other harry said i am not eating this stuff yada 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 and then his wife gets in his face and of course you know the argument and the struggle takes place and blunt force trauma she's dead and harry doesn't know what to do at this point so he decides to think uh um uh, what, what what can i do what can i do and then he looks at the microwave, then he looks at her. And keep in mind, this is a huge microwave, so he's thinking, hey, if I cut up the body and I store it into the microwave, what's gonna, you know, who's gonna know? And besides, that's only his first kill, right? Even though if you kill one time, you coming back for seconds. Then you coming for a third, and you just won't stop until you're dead. But you see, he cut up all of her body parts, put them in the microwave, and in a ironic sort of way, the microwave was on. And you know what that means? He smelt food the next day as it came down. And he saw one of the hands pop out of his wife. And he picked up the hand. And then he bit into it. Because it smelled so good. And it turned out that he had a hankering for human flesh. Yeah, see, like, 
It's kind of a reverse zombie angle, you know? This isn't undead meat we're talking about. This is meat that was actually cooked up, you know, that's well-seasoned and embroidered to a fine taste. You know, uh, I wonder if, if I ever cross over, who, who would I eat? Which, which woman would I eat? No, no, never mind, never mind. Let me get back into this. And you can take that any way you want to. But you see, old Harry decided to go ahead and share what he's having for lunch so that he can look cool in front of his coworkers, and he does. He had this huge salami of something, which I want to think is his wife's leg. But for the sake of argument, let's just call it his wife's leg. So he's eating it, and then his friends were looking at it like, "Wow, that's a nice uh, hoagie you got there, man. You know, let me get a bite of that." So they started eating it, and then as they started eating it. They start finding out that mm, this this ain't too bad. You got to market this kind of stuff. So in a way, they kind of go into business on the side, selling these body parts to eat. And what's really funny is that, like you know, Harry being a new single man on the on the lamb now because he admitted that him and his wife aren't there, you know, aren't seeing each other anymore. He goes ahead and he deals with other ladies. And keep in mind, these ladies of varying qualities and quantities. And job and you know job performances, yeah. Because they're oh face it, they're just street walking night girls. I mean that's just the way these kind of movies are. <laughs> I mean he's not going after like some hot shot attorney or somebody out here that is really making it. He's going after easy prey, and as he does, and as he does, he does the he does the deed with them, and then. He manages to suffocate one of them. He did one of them dirty, too. Because as soon as he was done and she was in her state of bliss, he put that <laughs> pillow right on her face and just went ahead and suffocated all the wind out of her. And you see, he chops her up, puts her in the microwave. So he starts doing that to all of his victims. But you see, eventually, you know, his comeuppance comes in a very obtuse way. You see, his uh, his, his wife... Her head is still there. He has her head as a trophy. And you see, each time Harry uh, did something wrong with the machine, it went unplugged for a little while. So he had to go ahead and rewire it again so that he could keep that food stock coming. And you see, as it was rewired differently, it managed to warm up and irradiate what was going on in Harry's heart. Which is why he should have ate healthy in the first place. Our dude had a pacemaker. And when that pacemaker went off, along with that microwave, well, you know what happens. Goodbye, Harry. And you see, Harry's boys came in after a while, looked for him and stuff, and now he's laid out dead in the kitchen. And then they look to see what is in that microwave, and it turns out that it's all those body parts of those women he killed. (laughs) <laughs> so one thing led to another and they realized that they ate the food so they puked and ran on out of there later on the police came in and they saw and looked at everything uh one of the people that saw the microwave saw how the wiring was changed but it wasn't changed on account of what harry did it was changed on account of something else and then it cues up to where his wife's head is and much like how jason's mom was in friday the 13th part two just the head sitting there, it, it just sit there, but it lets you know that there's something else going on. Because, see, his wife's eyes lit right up 
and then it haunts out to you, and then it says microwave massacre, and then roll credits. I mean, as I sat there, you know, I thought it was a nice touch. A little on the nose in some ways, but it was a nice touch, especially for this kind of film. I mean, with the eyes popping, I mean, with the eyes glowing at you, I mean, it was actually kind of cool. You know, because, like, think about it. It just goes to show that even though his wife is dead, she never really left. I mean, it's kind of like Monster House, you know? Constance died, but she never left. So keep that in mind if you ever inherit a, a house or something from one of your departed family members, especially if they're female and they didn't like you, but they wanted to teach you a lesson and they just leave you the house just because they're petty. Yeah, little things like that. Because, see, scenarios like that, they can play out in some ways. Because there's some haunted areas around here in Delaware, too. But, you know, I'm going to let y'all figure that out when you get a chance. Matter of fact, I think Fort Delaware right now is doing the whole ghost tour thing. I don't know why people would pay into it. I'm not going to knock it. Because going on the Fort Delaware tour is awesome. But you see what it is. You ride the ferry out there. You stay there all night. And this is a Civil War memorial monument. You know what I'm saying? This was actually used during that time. So who knows what the hell is living out there. Walking around, chains dangling, and all sorts of other things. And then, of course, you know, I already told you about Catman Cemetery last year. Which I have yet to do that. But then at the same time, I really don't see myself wanting to meet cat people because if you've ever seen the movie Sleepwalkers, cat people freak me out. Not cat ladies and not people who own cats, but these are people who have human feline features. Alright? And they steal the souls out of people. Especially virgin women. And you see, like, they hate... And and what's odd about it is they hate their own. Which is kind of like, you know, regular cats. So the only thing they can destroy cat people in that particular movie, at least, is a cat. Because anybody else, they're going to have one hell of a time. Well, with the soul absorbing and the fact that these things are part of the supernatural and they're like at least ten times stronger than a human being. And can tick bullet shots. Yeah. The only thing that's going to be able to cause that flesh to burn and to cut it apart would be a cat and you see this isn't a slocky film this this film is only unnerving because the son the son in this movie mates with his mom yeah see incest is very very disgusting i don't condone it but since this movie has it and it lets you know that Oh, my God. And they had sex three times in this movie. I, you know, if anything else, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they were actually Diddy at the time this movie was made. I mean, what with all the sexual scenes going on up in there? It was too real to be fake. Then again, I don't really... No, no. Uh, no, I take it back. I take it back. But like some other counterparts out there in podcast world that I know of that said, it's just white people sex. <laughs> so that's probably it. But, uh... I mean, like, as I look at Sleepwalkers, I'm thinking, you know, this is when, like, they were making a bunch of Stephen King movies at the time. Like, if you look at Lawnmower Man, it's still a Stephen King movie. Granted, Lawnmower Man was weird, too. Especially when uh, they made Job Smart. 
And when they made Job smart, they ended up experimenting on him more and, and they made him into an omnipresent kind of person. Now, he didn't have a body anymore, but he became a worse nightmare for them because he's out there haunting in cyberspace. Like, it's kind of like how we are now when we're on the internet and stuff. If we had something like Job just coming around and just screwing up everything that we hold dear on the internet because a lot of people's lives are on the net, yeah, make, it'd be making you think sometime. And you see, Lawnmower Man is one of those kind of B stories that people will sit there and they'll say, oh yeah, it wasn't really all that good, Jay. I mean, it, you know, it was creepy in some aspects, but that's kind of the point, right? I mean, it's to show you how evil modern science can be. I mean, don't take anything for granted. This guy went from being, you know, mentally challenged into a genius and then into a megalomaniacal genius due to the flowers for Algernon kind of syndrome. You know, it's like it's it's good in context. Like if you get people to fend for themselves, if you get people to get on that level where they can do things. That's fine. But if you go ahead and you do something immoral to the point of where, you know, ethics come into question and how you're actually handling this and you're making the one person here if abused and turned into a villain of sorts, you have nobody to blame but yourself, which is what a lot of people in certain horror movies tend to do. In some sort of self-serving way, that's the comeuppance when we see this certain criminal coming along, not really a criminal, not really a monster entirely, you know, it it makes you think from time to time. Like, really, really, when you look at these kind of movies or you look at these kind of circumstances from time to time, like, really pay attention to their motives and how they do stuff because you'll see the monster might not be the villain at all. That monster might just be somebody... Or some force of nature that just has to make status quo come together again. And if you need a good example about that, take a good long look at Final Destination. Death comes for everybody. We're all on that verge of aging and dying. Unless something quick really takes us out. And if we cheat that a little bit, oh, we only temporarily postpone that. But it's still going to come for you. And you don't want to mess that up. But you see, actually, should I go ahead and resolve Sleepwalkers for you? I'm I'm trying to think that right now. Yeah, um, no, no. You know why? Because that's one of those movies that you need to track down and you need to watch it on your own. Good movie, not a top stellar movie by any means, but then again, what is a top stellar movie, right? It still counts for the Monster Fest, and I can't fit it in anywhere else other than on a Schlockvision-based uh, episode. Because there are times in it where it's really, really cringy, and it's not its not fun. You understand what I'm saying? There's times where it's really, really cringy, and you're like, you know, the movie could have been resolved by now in so many other ways. And the only one that really believed the uh, girl that they were going after was the black cop, and he was holding his own. And then he got stabbed in the ear real bad. But that but that cat that he owned, he said, nah. Nah, I'm going to get revenge from my boy. We're going to get him. We will kill him and his bitch mom. 
and then we will right the wrongs. And yes, that's pretty much what happened. So in a way, I kind of went back on my own word to go ahead and resolve that for you. But I did it in so many small doses. It's up to you to go ahead and watch and see how it all plays out. But yeah, I mean, like I say, cringy in some spots, but still a pretty decent horror film. And of course, you know, I'm never going to tell you what is bad and what is good. I'm going to tell you what's watchable. And you see, for this particular line for the Schlockfest, I pretty much liked all three of them. Yeah, even the Massacre movies, because they're not meant to be taken seriously. You just look at it, and you get pretty much TNA. Maybe you might get a good killer out of it. Even though Harry didn't intend to be a killer, but the thing is, Harry just couldn't stop eating human flesh. So it's one of those kind of things you look at, it's like, give it a little grain of salt. You know? Oh, man. But in that... No, let's see. What else is on the itinerary? Mm-hmm. Ah, yes. Since I'm doing the double special, I didn't want to give you guys a gaming recommendation for the first half of it. But since this is picking up the second half, I do have one for you all. And you all can play this on your current-gen systems, as a matter of fact. I think even the Switch has a port of this one. Yes. Your gaming recommendation, should you choose to accept it, is Onimusha Warlords. Yes, you get to go ahead and play as a man in the feudal eras of Japan, a samurai, summoned to help out his cousin that has been captured by a horde of demons. You must fight each and every single demon and absorb their souls so to empower yourself so that you can save her and right the wrongs. And needless to say this, as you do, you will go through so many trials and tribulations, so many tricks and traps, and the undead will never let you rest on it. Because they will always respawn and they will always be there to attack you. And it is number one out of a four-part game series, well, four-part main story game series. There's multiple games in it, but the four-part story is all you really need. And hopefully this game sells well enough so Capcom can be like, hey, you know what? Let's go ahead and get Onimusha 2 together. Let's get Onimusha 3. And then Dawn of Dreams, which is still hard as hell. And I have not beaten it yet. <laughs> Pain in the ass. But the other three games are pretty, pretty awesome too. But that is your gaming recommendation. You should go for it. It's only $15. It might be on sale now because I think there's some gaming sales going on. Eh, something for y'all to look into. But that is your gaming recommendation. Now, for episode 124, since I have this other werewolf movie, I'm going to watch it. And that's what we're going to be discussing. We're going to be discussing werewolves. And as for episode 125, well, we have no choice but to go big for that one because we're dealing with kajus. So, <laughs> you guys come back next week and we will delve into the mind of the beast known as werewolves. But, till then, this is the J-Man signing off. You all take it easy. Peace.
At Dunkin', the flavors of pumpkin are back in a big way. We're talking pumpkin donuts, pumpkin muffins, pumpkin munchkins donut holes. Oh boy, pumpkin coffee, pumpkin iced coffee, pumpkin frozen coffee, pumpkin lattes, and the exciting new cinnamon sugar pumpkin signature latte, which has got sugar and spice and everything nice. Phew, it's pumpkin-flavored everything at Dunkin'. America runs on Dunkin'. Oh, and pumpkin K-Cup pods, too. Limited time offer. Participation may vary. Keurig and K-Cup used under license. At Dunkin', the flavors of pumpkin are back in a big way. We're talking pumpkin donuts, pumpkin muffins, pumpkin munchkins donut holes. Oh, boy, pumpkin coffee, pumpkin iced coffee, pumpkin frozen coffee, pumpkin lattes, and the exciting new cinnamon sugar pumpkin signature latte, which has got sugar and spice and everything nice. Phew, it's pumpkin-flavored everything at Dunkin'. America runs on Dunkin'. Oh, and pumpkin K-Cup pods, too. Limited time offer. Participation may vary. Keurig and K-Cup used under license.